Thank you, team, for leading us so beautifully today. Uh, what a wonderful opportunity to come into the presence of the Lord to worship. You may notice we've got things a little bit different set up here today because as we bring our Galatians series to a close, we're going to do that today in Galatians 6. You can turn your Bibles there. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses in Galatians 6. But I've asked our uh, mission team and a few of our folks that have just gotten back from the Atlanta team to join me on the platform today along with Pastor Seth uh, to give a little bit of an update and an overview and a celebration of what God has done, what God has done through your prayers, what God has done through their obedience, and what God has been doing and stirring and inviting us to be a part of is really quite remarkable. And so we want to celebrate that today. And the spirit of it lines up so beautifully with this idea in Galatians 6 where Paul basically says, this is your labor of love. Don't, don't become weary of doing good. The interesting thing is that he's been spending all of the book of Galatians saying, it's not about what you do, it's about the work of the Spirit. So now why does he end by saying, uh, don't give up doing good things? And uh, we're going to talk about that here for just a few moments as we uh, get started. But we've been wrapping up this series. Uh, if you've been tracking with us in the book of Galatians, I've got a little screen here for you that kind of highlights some of the big points that we have been talking about in chapter one. There's no other gospel. It's only the finished work of Jesus and it's life by the Spirit. We're not going to be able to add to those things. In chapter two, we were talking about being justified by faith. We do not add to the finished work of Christ. In chapter 3, we were looking at the equality of the gospel, that the, the, the gospel levels the playing field, that not, not, not only is it there's no Jew or uh, Gentile, uh, there's, there's no male or female, there's no rich or poor, there's no master, no slave, that at the foot of the cross, there is an equality that is there. We are all humbled and in need of the grace of Christ. So equality in the gospel. Number four, uh, we've seen that we are identified with Christ. We are not servants. We are not slaves we are children and heirs that we are part of his family with full benefits somebody say amen to that you have full benefits in Christ if you're in him today so that's an important thing we talked about in chapter 4 in chapter 5 we looked at freedom in Christ and being fruitful in the spirit and so we continue to ask and invite the work of the spirit in us to cause us to be fruitful today we're going to talk about a celebration of the life of Christ and living this out and here's just a verse to get us going, a couple verses in Galatians 6, uh, verses 9 and 10. Paul writes this, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And there's something about being in the family of God and, and on mission with God and moving with his spirit. And we don't get it right all the time, but we endeavor to do well by God's grace. Somebody say amen to that, right? We want to be on mission for him. We want to celebrate the life of Christ. We get weary at times. And here's Paul saying, no, don't get weary of doing the good stuff. Now, why is it that he has just spent all of this time saying, it's not about your works. And now he kind of ends the, the letter by saying, but you, you have good works for you to do. And the, the, the thing that we actually see as we look at this, important for us, is that there are many of the actions that actually look the same when you're living by the flesh. You're trying to justify yourself, you're trying to look good before God and others, so you pray, so you do good deeds, you give, you live generously, and you do all of that kind of stuff, which looks a lot like when you're living in the Spirit. 
Then you pray and you do good deeds and you live generously and all that kind of stuff. But the motivation is completely different. And we want to celebrate the right motivation that we have. So while many of these actions will look the same when we look by the Spirit as opposed to the flesh, motivation is different. We do because of what Jesus Christ has already done. We serve and we give of ourselves not to justify ourselves, but because Jesus has already justified us. And when we get that order kind of shifted around, all of a sudden, these opportunities open up to us where God says, look at the harvest. Look at the work that I have. And that's a church that's going to be fully alive. When you're, you're resting in the finished work of Jesus, you don't have to strive there. You rest in the finished work of Jesus. You're empowered by the Spirit of God himself so that you can be fruitful. And then you get out and you start looking. And it's as simple as saying, God, what would you have me do? Where would you have me see eyes to the harvest? Let me see as you see. Let me hear as you hear, etc. I just talked to a beautiful young lady after the first service. She said, oh man, I have not been to church for so long. And she said, this is my first Sunday. But she had tears in her eyes. And I said, well, what's God doing? She said, I don't know. I just love being in the, the presence of the Lord. I've just kind of missed this. I haven't had this for so long. And I don't know her whole story. I just know that God's stirring. He's doing some stuff. A friend brought her to church today. You know, there's something about being in the presence of God. There's something about being in the family of God. He has work for us to do. Um, I want to note just two things. Before we get to the celebration part, I don't, I don't want to miss the fact that Galatians actually talks about, Galatians uh, 6.2, carry each other's burdens. And there's something about that as well. In this specific case, he's talking about when someone is struggling in sin or caught in sin, they should be restored gently. And, and it strikes me that if you are living in the flesh, you actually can't do that. Because when you're living in the flesh, it's all about performance. It's all about your comparison, right? So when someone's struggling, you, you don't have the, the, the tools in the flesh to restore them gently. When you're living by the Spirit and you realize, wait a minute, I'm in this incredible relationship with God, not because of anything I've achieved or done or anything in me, but because of what Christ has done for me, that humbles me. So when I see somebody else, now they're struggling, they're wrestling in some way, I can restore them gently because I know that that's me. That's my struggle as well. So we have this freedom in Christ that actually pours itself out in some beautiful ways. So I wanted just to note that. There's a lot more we could talk about. I'm not gonna do that today because I wanna get to our testimony time. And then I'll, I also wanna note this one with you. Verse seven says, do not be deceived because God cannot be mocked. And I've thought about this verse for a long time, usually in this context, that, you know, your sin is going to find you out. And oftentimes it does. And that is oftentimes a good thing because it forces us to live into the light, right? But I always thought about it like it's like I'm the kid with my hand in the cookie jar, you know, like just, I don't want to get caught right now, you know, in this place. But don't be, God, don't, God will not be mocked. But I started thinking about this, that maybe Paul's not talking so much about getting caught as much as he is talking about an honest assessment here, um, that we are called to live by the Spirit, not live by the flesh. God's not gonna be mocked. He, do, he knows right where you are. And today might actually be a good day for someone to say, you know what, I'm tired of striving on my own. And I hope that through this series, I've heard from many of you that there's been kind of that shift of saying, I'm not gonna fulfill in the flesh what Christ has begun, what God has begun in the Spirit. 
And that's a good place for us to be. So just an honest assessment. God knows where you are. God knows the condition of your heart today. God knows the places where you're still striving and where you need to lay it down. And God also knows the places where you're saying, I'm serving out of the finished work that he has done for me. So here's my encouragement to this team that's gonna come up and join us here. Uh, The reality is they've just done some great things, but God loved them before they ever achieved or failed in anything. That's the difference of living in the Spirit. God loved you before you ever achieved. God loved you before you ever failed. And his love for you is actually the constant in that. Your performance is gonna go up and down. You're gonna get it right. You're gonna mess it up. You're gonna fall on your face. You're gonna have some victories. But the the love of God expressed in the finished work of Jesus, that's the constant. So Paul's saying to the Galatian church, if you can kind of get that and if you can live that out, you're gonna be in a good place. So we've had some people that have been living that out and they've been seeing God do some incredible things. And so I'm gonna invite Pastor Seth first to come up and join us. This church, you guys were praying, uh, sending, supporting. Let's welcome Pastor Seth. I love Pastor Seth, favorite youth pastor in the universe. Uh, here's the thing I do want to say before I give, uh, give the mic over to Seth. First of all, and I, and I really mean this very sincerely, um, it is rare, it's very rare uh, to see a youth pastor that has longevity that actually stays. You know, most youth pastors stick around for 18 months, I think is actually kind of the statistic. It's hard to do kingdom work in 18 months that that is ongoing. Seth came to me after he'd been here a couple years and he said, I really wanna see what God would do if I was here for five years. And now he's been here for 10 and a half years. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. Yeah. And, and we have been blessed as a church, and I see the impact that he is making on the next generation, and not just there. I see the impact that he's making across our church family and on our staff team, and that he brings a, a vibrancy and a life in the spirit that is contagious, and so it's my delight to be able to share the platform with him today. So let's give one more welcome to Pastor Seth, and Seth, tell us a little bit about Envision. Tell us a little bit about the trip that you guys were just embarking on. Sure. Uh, thanks, Aaron. Morning, church. hey Uh Hey, just, you know, to say that, like, I, I don't come to the table with great things to boast about myself. I, I appreciate the accolades. That means a lot. But really, that's, that's just the work of Christ in me. Yeah, so glory to God all the way. Um, I want to start just sharing a little bit of the story of the call to go on this trip, which I think I may have shared with you before, but just to give you some foundation for some of the stories that are going to be shared today. Uh, we have a, an annual youth retreat that happens in the spring. Uh, it's called our Lake Champion Retreat. It happens at a Young Life camp up in New York State. And that uh, retreat takes place hosting all the youth ministries that are in the Eastern Pennsylvania District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. So everything from Huntington over to New Jersey, that's next to us, right? Geography. Um, so any, everything from Huntington to New Jersey and then from New York down, uh, all the youth ministries gather that are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance Eastern District. Uh, and we, we worship Jesus. We hear from some great speakers. We make a lot of memories. We zip line into a freezing cold lake. Uh, and we had the opportunity to give to a special offering in April of 2022 at this retreat where we were giving to a a farm that this organization called Envision Atlanta uh, was trying to build in hopes of developing it into a, a camel farm to meet needs for refugees in the greater Atlanta area. Uh, and so I was actually the MC for that retreat that weekend. And I was telling everybody like, yo, give to the camel farm. It's so cool. And you can drive there and you can milk camels. Like, this is awesome. Um, turns out there's actually no camels there yet. Uh, 
So I, I lied a little bit, I guess, but uh, I didn't know. Um, so we got really pumped about a camel farm, and we, we got to actually go and, and serve at the farm, and we saw the barn that we got to raise money for. Um, they, they use goats right now. I guess it's a long process to get camels and then to raise them for them to be ready to even do camels' milk and stuff. But they use this farm to um, provide some employment for refugees and to meet tangible needs of, of fresh vegetables and, and goat's milk and all sorts of different things that come from goats. Anyway, so our, our inspiration for even like connecting with Atlanta and going there started at this retreat where our students just simply gave faithfully. And then since then, the Lord stirred in our hearts, let's go and be a part of what God's doing in Atlanta because we sensed the Spirit doing something on the ground there. And so that's what kind of drew us to go. Uh, and then we partnered with this organization called Envision. Envision is a, a missions mobilizer within the Alliance. And so they kind of do this, this gospel networking with local churches and nonprofits and really dense areas around the globe. One of their sites is in Atlanta where we went to, specifically Clarkston, Georgia, which is just a little suburb right outside of Atlanta. Uh, and so we got to, to take part in their work and their primary, their primary ministry there is refugee relief work. And so let me just give you a snapshot of like a 30,000 foot view of what did we do during the week. And then I'm going to invite some students up to actually share some stories to get to the nitty gritty of how God was working. Um, so, you know, we took sports camp down, so we were able to do soccer with kids for the week, uh, and God used that to, to bring some, some fruit for the kingdom, which was really cool, stretched us, challenged us. Uh, we did a, a thrift store every day uh, for, for several days. We were um, preparing a, a thrift store. They used to have a, a thrift bus, a, a, called, a mobile thrift store called um, Nomadic Thrift. Someone had donated them uh, a bus, and they turned it into a mobile thrift store, so they would go around to the, all these apartment complexes where refugees live and essentially have a, a mobile thrift store. They build relationships out of that, share the gospel out of that. That was a pretty cool thing. But during COVID, that was part of their ministry that had to shut down, um, both due to lack of staffing and just kind of a shift in vision for ministry. But they had hundreds of clothes, uh, hundreds of boxes, hundreds of totes of clothes that still needed to be organized and essentially given away or gotten rid of. And so one of the physical labor projects we had during this week was doing a pop-up thrift shop while we were there. And so we had to go through all the clothes and all of that stuff. Folding laundry is admittedly one of my least favorite chores, but we had the joy of the Lord uh, as we were preparing this thrift store, okay? Um, so that was one cool thing we got to do. We had some, some pretty significant refugee ministry training that really opened our eyes to, to what it means to be a refugee and what it means to work with refugees. Uh, we got a day to work on the Envision Acres Farm, as I had mentioned. Uh, we hosted a big community dinner for the whole complex, the, the apartment complex where we hosted sports camp. That was really special and significant, both for just breaking bread with all of the families that we ministered to that week, uh, and just continuing to build the long-term discipleship opportunities for Envision right there in that complex. We spent time every day in worship and devotion together and debriefing every night, and those were sweet moments. And to cap off the trip, we went to Tacoa Falls College because it was really close to where we were. That's an Alliance College, if you're not familiar. So it was cool to have the students um, do a tour of campus. Uh, and also one of our leaders, Jill Zeger, who was with us on that trip, she was a, she's an alumni from there. So it was cool to connect with some of her old people, uh, friends that were there. See Jill's name on the wall. She was All-American twice for volleyball. So that was like a, yeah, Jill. Uh, so good job, Jill. We love you. 
Um, okay, so those are a lot of the things that we, we did, some things that we had our area of focus on, places where we spent hours pouring into, but I'd love to invite our students up to share some testimonies. So can we give a round of applause, a welcome to them? This is Jenna Jones, Grant Henning, Grace Marshall, and John Cho. Welcome, team. So Aaron's going to grill them with a couple of really hard interview questions. Yeah, let's uh, go. And, and they'll be able to share some stories then. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us up here. Uh, these uh, folks shared some in the first service, and it was awesome just to hear some of your stories. I did realize, though, like, I feel like something's kind of missing. Uh, our, little, our little table setup kind of is, just needs a little, like, uh, spruce up. So I, I grew these flowers just for you guys. So I'd like, to, I'd like them to be right there. That makes it feel... Just a little homier, don't you think, guys? It feels a little homier now? Okay, good. See, now we're all in, in good space. You weren't nervous in the first service. Are you nervous now? Oh, good. So, if you, if, are any of you nervous? Yeah. Hey, we're good then. Okay, everybody take a big breath and... Okay, we're all set. It's fantastic. So, um, a couple of questions that I have for you guys. The first one was just talk to us about um, breakthrough. You know, what breakthroughs did you guys experience on this trip? And I think, Jenna, you were going to kick this question off for us. A breakthrough that like happened for me is I grew up as a missionary kid in Germany so going to Atlanta was kind of like doing that again but in a whole different way in Germany we were planning churches here we were working with a lot of missionary like mission kids and yeah. like preaching to them and just like seeing how you plant seeds and watching them grow was really cool yeah, so this is fascinating to me because you've got such a unique perspective. Like, so Jenna grew up in a missionary home, you know, Don and Sarah Jones, who I think over here, right, somewhere, there we are, uh, have served with our denomination and, and her brother Dane as well. So like most of your life has been, early life was growing up in the, uh, on the mission field. So now to be able to experience this in a different way, that's a really interesting kind of breakthrough to see missions in a different spot. How about some of you guys, uh, other guys, what were the breakthroughs that you saw when you were down there? Uh, so one major breakthrough that I definitely saw was just kind of individually, but also very much for our group as a whole. Uh, within, within our time working with Envision, after every sports camp, we would have a debrief. We, we would all get together and talk through the day, talk through how we saw God moving. And there was one very specific debrief, which I can't remember the day, but it's fine. There was one very specific debrief that just sparked this chain of people sharing and testifying to what God was doing, confessing and bringing things to the light, and then the entire team would, would quite literally pray over them, uh, just gathering around, laying hands on them, praying for them. That happened, honestly, more times than I can count mm -hmm. for people on our team. And also, in response to the goodness of God that we were, that we were experiencing, there was worship breaking out among us that we didn't... <laughs> It was like, it wasn't like, oh, Seth's got a guitar, so we're going to lead ourselves in a worship song. It was like, we were just praising Jesus for the good things he was doing within us, for the closeness that he was fostering within us, and then for the ways he was working outside. So that was a really cool breakthrough for all of us. That's awesome. I think another really cool breakthrough was as a, in our capacity as a team, uh, throughout the week, there was a lot of adapting that we had to do. Um, whereas with sports camp at home, you know, we're, we're in a closed setting, air conditioning, if we, it's raining, we have a whole media team, we have Bill kind of directing everything. Um, 
But at Sports Camp, as you guys can kind of see, we're in the middle of a park in an apartment complex. Uh, there's nowhere to go if it rains. Um, and the field isn't actually that big. Um, and there was a lot of, like, because Jill, Seth, uh, I mean, they have their own things to juggle. And so in terms of, like, huddle times, sports times, rally time, a lot of us had to step up as, as leaders and in our own capacities. Um, and so it was really cool just seeing how a lot of the people were able to adapt um, to the situation, to the cha changing amounts of kids, um, and just coming together as a community just to encourage each other, say, hey, you are doing an awesome job. I'm so happy that you're here. And it was, it was really awesome. That's cool. So some team breakthroughs for sure. Seth, what were you seeing just from like your leadership kind of vantage point? Yeah, I mean, I think just championing what John Cho just said briefly, like the leveling up that occurred for students who were just needing to be a little bit more independent and take yeah. on some leadership. Both, I mean, we know like there's spaces that we prepared for. Hey, you're going to lead a huddle, so you're going to go into that. Uh, and then there was just things that came up randomly, like, oh, we need some extra hands helping with registration. Or uh, we didn't plan for a whole babies networking of soccer, but Jenna and Annalise were like, hey, we'll just do baby soccer over here because there were a bunch of babies that were around. So like just stuff that, hey, we, we needed to do. That's, and that's, that's like babies playing soccer, not yeah, just to be clear, just to be clear, with uh, babies. That's a good youth ministry right, okay. joke, but good. no, uh, we weren't playing soccer with the babies. We were yeah. playing soccer with the babies. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification. Good. Yeah, I'm here to help. <laughs> you were a youth pastor, <laughs> yeah. which is why this is funny. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's good. Um, your dad just made a baby joke on the stage. Yeah. That's, great. that's good. <laughs> okay. Back to the stories. Um, yeah. Team leveling up leadership kind of breaking through. It was good. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like God was really stirring in the team. So here's, here's a question that I definitely would want to hear. We as a church were praying for you. Um, where did you see answers to prayer? Where did you see God doing things as a result of those prayers? Grace, you want to kick us off on that one? So um, when our first meeting, like Seth said, we thought we were going to a camel farm and our first meeting was like, hey, we're going to Atlanta. Any questions? And we were like, yeah, what are we doing? We had no clue what we were getting into and just praying for clarity and opening our eyes and just having him work everything out was amazing. Mm. Um, we had upwards of 90 kids there when we were only expecting maybe 10 to 15. And it was really amazing to see how excited they were to see Jesus mm. and that we had this space to do this. We thought we were doing it in the middle of a parking lot. We had this nice little park area, so we weren't hitting cars. That was really good. Um, also just, um, okay, just kidding, John shows here. <laughs> um, so continuing on, just the team that was there was incredible. I, I mean, um, they told us uh, as we were coming in, this we were their first team, or one of their first teams since COVID, and so they'd been on like a two-year kind of hiatus of no mission trips uh, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so we were really kind of there kicking back into, into the ministry. Um, and so they were an incredible host team. Um, I think each of them, each of them just had, a, had such an incredible spirit for the people that lived there um, to serve, to be hospitable to us. I mean, like just being able to go out um, like during our work times, during like, or even during our rest times, they're always like, hey, here's another, here's some more people in our community that we can help. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to come help with us, 
I mean, the doors open. And so there were multiple times that week that we, we got to serve extra um, more than we were expecting to and just have a blast getting to know um, the team there and the community and their, their connection with the community. And so I think that really helped us um, spread the love and feel the love for the people there too, seeing how much they, they loved and cared about the people that, that were there. Yeah. Any other answers to prayer? you guys saw? Uh, we had great weather the whole week, yeah. uh, even up until the last night when we were going to host a community dinner, which was going to impact a couple of hundred families. Um, it had rained. It was like monsoon weather all day. And this was really the only day that it had rained a, a super lot. And so we were bummed because instead of like hosting the dinner and having everybody come together to feast and break bread and fellowship, we were going to get to go boxes and go door to door and just pass out the meal. Uh, but like 30 minutes before dinner time, the rain completely stopped. Um, and so the Lord answered the prayer of letting us being able to fellowship and break bread together. That was really meaningful to like, uh, end the week together with the kids and their families yeah. and also just like that was a, a huge platform for the ongoing discipleship that's going to happen with Envision and their their staff after we're gone yeah a meal does a lot yeah that's awesome yeah John you had something too uh, I just remember something else so as we as we were there um Grace was kind of talking about how the pieces just kind of fell into place um and so we got there what like Sunday night, or no, so we got there Saturday, and then we were going to kick off sports camp on Sunday because we raised enough money to do um, the community dinner, so we didn't really have any time to plan out the sports sessions as well as maybe if we had an extra day like we were planning, um, but there was a team, or there's another ministry there called Upper 90, and Upper, Upper 90's ministry is a soccer ministry, um, mentoring young boys and girls through the avenue of, of playing soccer, competing in a little inner league, um, and so we were blessed to have them kind of show up last minute. Um, a volunteer and some staff came and they kind of organized like our whole soccer program um, that first night. And they were a huge help, especially with the teen program. Because um, it was, the teens were a lot to handle, but it was, it was really incredible how God just kind of plopped them in place right when we needed them. That's awesome. So one of the things that I love about this is that we talk about the things that we value, and one of the things that we value is next generation. So you guys just simply saying, hey, we're willing to go, we're willing to do that. That is a sort of an answer to that prayer of next generation. Prayer is another thing that we value, and so it, it gives us some encouragement because many of us were praying daily, often praying for you guys by name and asking that God would really meet you, and it's really cool to hear how God set up divine appointments and used you even in ways you didn't fully expect which is pretty awesome. Cool. Uh, any other ones on that one? I would, just, I would just say, like, it was evident that the Holy Spirit was with us and moving us. Like, yeah. we, we felt the manifest, manifest presence of Christ working in our midst, and we felt like we were a part of that. Yeah. Um, and I believe that's an answer to prayer, uh, both for our team to experience that, but for us to also, like, offer that and usher that in as we're working with those who don't know Jesus yet. So yeah. thank you for praying in that vein, in that direction. That's awesome. So mission experiences, oftentimes things don't go exactly how, how you plan. So I'm curious about what surprised you on this trip and what kind of adjustments did you have to make? John. So one of the biggest surprises was the amount of teenagers that were there. Um, going into this, we, we expected there to be some teenagers because uh, we were 
vaguely aware that um, it would be like us showing up and then there would just kind of be kids there um, just on the playground, just walking around because their parents, uh, during that time of the day, they are, they are out working until, I mean, very early, like around from noonish until early in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, the kids are kind of fending for themselves. Um, usually the oldest sibling is the one watching over the family and so they're kind of out and about in the like in the area and so we kind of expected there to be probably some teens walking around as well maybe around like five or ten um, but what we didn't expect was for there to be close to like 25 30 teens mm. that we had to work with um, and they actually made up the vast majority of that camp mm. or a, a good a good majority at least um, and so there are a lot of adjustments we had to make because those those teenagers had a lot of energy like a lot of energy. Um, so yes, it was, <laughs> there was a lot of um, team growth that happened there. Um, like us being able to spread the love to them in different ways than we planned. Because I mean, obviously, sports camp is mainly made for elementary school kids. But we were able to tailor that and kind of tune it to their level. And so it was awesome kind of seeing how they they received it as well. Mm. I'll, I'll just say on the similar note of the teens showing up thing, I was working with the teenage boys. That was my assignment since before we went, I knew that. And I essentially, with the assumption that it was gonna be not a whole lot of people, I was like, I got this, it's easy. Talk to five people, we're gonna have fun. And then I saw like 15 to 20 teenage boys who were going to be in my, in my discussion time. And I was like, well, that's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to see, as I just kind of was thrown into that, how Jesus shone through. And in something that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own, Jesus ultimately worked a, a beautiful thing out of it through my imperfect handling of the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, Every, I think every huddle activity we had to change that week. So there was like a daily conversation where I was talking to Seth or to John or to Jill and I was like, this activity is for fifth graders and I don't think my, my guys are going to want to do it. <laughs> and they weren't going to want to do it. So it was just this very flexible changing of plans to fit whatever was needed and uh, to see, to see Jesus still work through that was really amazing. That's awesome. Just off of that real quick, uh, if you don't know Rob Cathcart, he's a cool dude. Is Rob here right now? Hi, Rob. There Good morning. So What's up, Rob? Rob has been a small group leader with, with Grant and with John Cho and their team of boys since they were in like fourth grade, right? Uh, and so we come back to debrief sessions in the nighttime, and these guys are like, man, how do you minister to teenage boys? <laughs> like, they're so wily. Rob's just, like, busting a gut, right? Like, how do you control? They don't talk about anything. They don't stay on track. They're just laughing together and throwing stuff. This is you. Yeah. I yeah. know. Yeah. So you learned a lot. I had sympathy. Mad respect for you, Rob. Yeah. Well done. Another thing is just adjusting our culture. Like we are all white people. Oh, not John Cho. We're white people, right? And then we have John Cho. But they were all of a different culture. There were 700 different people groups there. And we just had to like, wow, I feel bad now. <laughs> we just had to like adjust how we act here to like cater to them and make sure they're feeling respected. Also, our days were shorter. We went from three hours here to two hours there and then five days here to four days here. So 
cramming all the Jesus in that we could mm. was really difficult, but I think we did good. Wow, that's awesome. Also kind of on, on what Grace is saying, um, there were a lot of people from all over the world. Um, and we kind of got a debrief, or, or a brief of what to expect, kind of, before we, we started off sports camp. Um, but I think it's hard to explain in words, unless you experience it for yourself, just how diverse that community was. Mm. I mean, we were, <clears throat> there were kids from, what? The Congo, DRC, um, parts of North Africa, Afghanistan, um, Ethiopia, like all, o all over the world. It was, there were a lot of language barrier uh, issues that came into play with both the really small ones and even some of the really big ones. Mm. Um, and, and the parents too. But um, in that, I mean, there were just some fun interactions where like the kids were, the kids were laughing at us messing up their names. Um, like it was, even though it, what, it still was a really hard time to you know, adjust to all that, but I think God used that for us to connect with the kids, even though you know, it's, it's something much different from what we, what we expected. Yeah, that's cool. So some of the surprises you mentioned about the cultural differences and the people groups that were there. Um, one of the things in our family, because both of our kids were going on this trip, we were saying to Grant's younger brother, Max, uh, you're going to have to actually eat the food, you know, because it's, it's different food. And every family probably has at least one kid who's sort of like, I like a few things. You know, Max has eaten mac and cheese since he was four years old. That's kind of his, his go-to thing, you know. And so one of the surprises for us was to hear Max tell us later on, I love the food. It was incredible. Because what, what were the kind of foods you guys were eating? We had Ethiopian food. What we had Syrian, Afghani, Burmese. There's a lot. It was all really good, though. And you guys ate well, it sounds oh, yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Seth, do you want to tell them about the, uh, the special, um, authentic Ethiopian meal that you guys had after church? Yeah, so we went, the first thing we did was Sunday morning. Well, we got there, drove all day Saturday, long day. Sunday morning, we went to an Ethiopian church, and they knew, we, we were told, hey, they'll probably want you to stay and have lunch with the, the church afterwards. Great. I'm really looking forward to eating, looking forward to time of fellowship. And mid-service, I, I catch this aroma uh, in the sanctuary, and I'm like, man, that Ethiopian meal smells bomb. It is so good. <laughs> and then as the service continues, it is getting stronger and stronger, and I'm like, that smells like garlic and, and cheese and pepperoni. Like, it smells so good. Yeah. And then after the service, they bring out like 30 boxes of Papa John's. Yeah, uh, baby. And so, so we were expecting our first meal to really be an authentic Ethiopian meal, but instead we had good fellowship over some pizza, which was classic. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason, it was like the best pizza of my life. Yeah. Like, you remember it was you really know what I'm good. talking about? And exactly. not just let you eat it was like they brought they kept coming yeah yeah that was authentic yeah. ethiopian papa john's pizza yeah it was good that's legit that's good stuff good any other surprises you guys want to share last thing i just want to hear is um what would you like our church family to know is there one story from this trip that kind of stands out to you that you would want to make uh make us aware of yeah so i um in working with the, with the teenage guys, there was one guy in particular around my age. I'm just going to call him M for the sake of privacy and stuff. Uh, I met M and could tell right off the bat he's just a goof nut. He's kind of crazy <laughs> and fun. 
And I kind of resonated with that because I was like, I'm kind of a goof nut. I love having a good time. I'm a little crazy sometimes. So I, I kind of get this guy in some ways. Um, the first conversation I had with M, we were doing a soccer drill. I don't play soccer. And I said, hey, I have a confession for you. And he goes, oh, what? And I was like, I'm really bad at soccer. And then he was like, that's a good confession. So we, we just hit it off like just kind of having fun to begin with. Throughout every huddle discussion time, he was really not paying attention, um, if I'm entirely honest. And, and then we got to wordless gospel night where I'm presenting the gospel to these guys. A lot of guys got it and like understood what I was talking about and M was not one of those guys. He was not paying attention again. Uh, afterwards, as we're cleaning up, I saw, I saw Grace talking with him and using her, her wordless gospel bracelet to explain the gospel to him and, and just kind of one-on-one re-explain that to him. And I came over to, I don't know, moral support or something. And eventually it got to the point where I was sharing a lot of my testimony with him. And these guys totally, even if they come from a Christian background, they were totally coming from a very legalistic Christian background of, I need to do the right thing to get to heaven. I need to do what Jesus says or I'm not going to heaven. Go to church, read your Bible, because that stuff is going to get me there. So I just started to tell him about how it's not that. You can do your best for that, but you're never going to get it right on your own. It is because Jesus died for you and gave his life for you because he loves you so much that you can accept him. And ultimately, this was the first time I saw M serious the entire, the entire week. He was no longer cracking jokes. He was no longer being crazy. He was, he was kind of dialed in and contemplative about it. And ultimately... I asked him if he would want to accept Jesus, and then he did. He, mm. I was able to, yeah, yeah, man. yeah. I was able to, to lead him through that prayer, and it was super special to see that change come over him of the rest of the week, even though he was still his fun-loving self, and even though he was still having a good time, he was also very much hungry for what Jesus had, and that was yeah. cool. That's awesome. So on a similar vein, there was another boy in Grant's huddle that I'll, I'll call S again for privacy reasons. Um, the whole week, he was the one that was, he was locked in. He was serious. Um, during the huddle times, he was always the one that was paying attention, answering the questions. I mean, to us, it was, we could see that he had a, a hunger to know more about God. He, he already knew a lot about God, and his, his attitude was just, I want to know more. Um, and so the whole week, Grant and I were just talking over and over about just how awesome this guy's been in the, in the huddle. Um, <clears throat> and then on the same night that uh, Grant led M to, to Christ, um, I, uh, so I was cleaning up at that time. Um, and then I saw uh, some of our team members kind of you know mingling and talking with, with the older uh, like with the teenage crew, um, and so I kind of walked over just to see what was like, what's was, what was happening. I, I want to talk to my friends too, um, and so as I walked over, I heard um, S speaking about like what he knew about Jesus, and so um, I mean we are. It was already clear that he knew who Jesus was. He knew what he had done, um, but 
the thing that struck me was he said, um, I can't talk to Jesus. Um, I'm not, I'm unclean, I'm dirty, hmm. so I can't talk to Jesus. And in that moment, um, I felt a incredible just conviction to speak some truth into his life. Like Grant was saying, a lot of those guys, even if they knew who Jesus was, came from a very legalistic standpoint. If I don't, mat if I don't meet this bar, I am not worthy enough to go to heaven. I'm not worthy enough for God's love. Um, but that's, that's, not, that's not true. God loves us in our imperfectness. And that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And so um, prior to this trip, I had talked with um, Titus Moorhead. So Titus is, he used to come to this church, and now he is the CEF director for this region. And so I, I was speaking with Titus um, just in the car as we were going from uh, one five-day club to another. And I was like, hey, I'm so excited for this trip. Um, and then Titus, and after explaining a little bit more, um, I told Titus that we're going to be teaching the world's gospel. And Titus was like, hey, oh, that's cool. We have some world's gospel material that you guys could ha totally hand out if you want. And so he had given us some booklets and then some wor small wordless gospel booklets um, as well. And so as I was speaking with S, I remembered the contents of those booklets because it speaks about God's love. Um, it speaks about how imperfect we are, but despite that fact, God loved us enough to send his only son, and Jesus loved us enough to willingly die on the cross um, to forgive us of our sins. And so I remember that, and I, and I ran over, I grabbed the booklets, and I kind of walked through them with uh, with S, and as I was walking through it with him, I mean, I could I could see in his eyes and his posture the way he was paying attention. He was absorbing. He was hungry. The spirit was really moving in him in that in that moment. Um, and I think the first verse that came to my mind while speaking to him was First John one nine, which talks about confession of sin, um, which I think was something that really hit home for him because he had been talking about how he was. He couldn't be forgiven of sin because he was too imperfect to be mm. worthy of that gift. Um, and so the coolest thing for me was as we were leaving, um, as we were packing up, we, we, had, we were heading out in the vans and we saw S kind of on the sidewalk. Um, and so we were kind of like trying to wave to him, say, saying goodbye to him. Um, but he was so absorbed in, in the booklets that I given him, he was reading them, he was walking, he was so absorbed that he didn't even notice there were cars walking, or not walking, cars going by. Um, and I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so just to add on to their stories, I had the fourth and fifth grade girls in my group while they were working with the older guys. And just to make them feel included, I, they're my age, I wanted them to feel like we wanted them there, right? And it wasn't just for the kids. I had engaged in fellowship with them for the first couple days. And then their third night was Wordness Gospel Night, and I was like, well, let's ask them about their day. So like a parent does with their kids, I was like, hi, how was your day? How was, what, what would you learn at church? Like, what was that? And he was like, oh, it was good, whatever, whatever. He was playing soccer with his friends. And I was like, do you remember what our rally was about, like what the story was? And he was like, um, actually, I forget. I was like, shocking. So <laughs> I pull off my little bracelet, and I was like, well, this bead means this, and this bead means that. And he was like, can I have that? Like my little Wordless Gospel. I was like, of course you can have it. So all of them have little wordless gospel bracelets and it makes my heart really happy. But I was 
talking to Emma about it the one night, and then I had stepped aside and Grant hopped in, and then I talked to S, and he, like John Cho said, he was like, my heart is black, like I can't talk to Jesus, I have sinned too much, like what do I have to do to talk to Jesus? And I was like, you just gotta pray, dude, like it's not that deep, like just pray, ask him, and he will love you, like he already does, just ask him to be with you. So we were getting, Seth was kicking us out, he was like, dude, we're going home, it's like time for bed. So I was like, here's this bracelet, take your booklets, read your booklets. I'm going to pray for you tonight, and I want to pray for you tomorrow, and I want you to accept Jesus. And he was like, okay, sounds good. So we come the next morning, um, or not the next morning, it was the afternoon, but it was the first thing in the thing. I was like, are you ready? And he was like, yes. So I sit down with him, and I was explaining it, and I was like, God is coming into your heart. He's going to, he sent his son for uh, his blood to clean your heart. So I sit down, I pray with him, and I was like, you accepted Jesus into your heart. Like, this is a good thing. You're happy. And he was so serious the entire week. He was like, uh-huh. Yep, sounds good. And I was like, you're, you're happy? And he's like, yeah, sure. I was like, that's great. But then he pulled his little booklet out of his pocket, and he opens the paper. And he's like, do you have a, a pen, a pen? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I grab him a pen, and he writes down, I was saved today. Like, he put his little date in there. Mm. He's like, write your name in here, too. I need to mm. remember this. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And he walks over to M, and he was like, hey. I'm saved, like I have Jesus. And it was just so neat to see them so excited about Jesus. Like they were goofing around, playing soccer, and now they're like locked in and trying to make their friends turn to Jesus. And it was really mm. powerful to see them. That's awesome. Another really cool thing was when we were down there, there was this family in need, and they weren't sure if they were going to have enough money to be able to go to school every day. Mm. And they, for their bus fare, yeah. And they weren't even sure if they were gonna have enough for Friday. And so one of the nights we collected a huge offering just in our like group team that we went down with and we raised enough money for them to keep going for their whole first semester of school, wow. which was just amazing. That's awesome, that's awesome, that's cool. I think uh, a significant story that I would share is just uh, the refugee training that we went through really opened our eyes to the, the, the challenges and the trauma that a refugee faces. Um, we knew that they had fled their homes and that they were looking for hope and freedom and safety. I don't think any of us really could grasp and honestly still can't to a personal one-to-one -one extent but some of the training that we went through really opened our eyes and, and the training happened midweek after we had already been doing the camp and fellowshipping with refugees and halfway through the week we had this training uh, and it was a, it was a refugee, they called it the refugee loss simulation. Uh, and so essentially we went through this exercise of um, writing down things that were precious to us like uh, titles of, of things that we are. It could be like son, it could be student. Uh, and then we had like lists of material things that we wrote down, uh, like your, your bed or your, your fan or I don't know, your toothbrush, like things that are precious to you, right? And then uh, family members, and then what was the other one? Hobbies and activities that you enjoy doing. And essentially they, they shared like a story about a, a refugee family fleeing and all along the way, kind of losing things uh, and then we would end up with whatever we were left with because rebels had either taken our things or we didn't have enough time to get our things out um, and it it just kind of gave us a perspective that none of us really had going into this it gave us a lot of clarity and fire and passion for like what are we doing with the last days that we have here and what could we possibly offer somebody in these shoes like we can do nothing in the next three days to really change their lives. 
but we have Jesus. And so that gave us some gumption to really share the hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that we really got to know about these refugees through, the, through what the team there introduced to us was their struggle didn't end when they came to America or another third country. And I say third country because the process of being transferred uh, is a long one. So mm -hmm. the, the refugee will start in their home country um, and they'll have to flee for some reason. Um, usually because of war, persecution, or otherwise um, excessive violence. And so then they will usually have to make it on foot to a neighboring country that's a bit safer, that usually has a UN resettlement camp where they can be there for upwards of 15, 20 years. Wow. Um, and while they're in that camp, unless they get sponsored by somebody from a third country, so say uh, maybe if they were from Afghanistan, they'd work with um, the, the US military, maybe if somebody from the military were to sponsor that family, then they'd be placed into a lottery with other families that were also sponsored. And then they would be waiting maybe another five years to even know if they won the lottery to move out of that refugee camp. Mm -hmm. And then once they win that lottery, then they go through a very rigorous screening process. Um, but then once they've passed all those checks, winning the lottery, that small percentage that actually make it, um, the, the government uh, of the supporting country will give them a loan of enough to fly their family. And some of these families had upwards of like 10 kids. Um, wow. So flying their family to that new country, getting them resettled in, a, in, in an apartment, um, paying for the rent for about three to six months. But these are all loans. They have to pay them back and with interest. Mm. Um, and I mean, a plane ticket for three people is already expensive. Mm. Imagine that for 10. Um, and the cost of living, um, sending their kids to school, they have to pay for all of that without knowing um, the language, in this case, English, and without having, knowing any uh, of the laws, any of the legal roots that they have to give them some benefits. Um, their parents are working like crazy hours, like from noon to early in the morning. Mm. Um, and the kids are fending for themselves, especially like the older, older kids. They're the ones that are the primary caretakers for the younger kids while their parents are working. Um, and even in that, um, we learned about so many trauma traumatic experiences. Like during that refugee law simulation, um, we heard heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story. Hmm. And from what we, from what the Envision team have told us and what we've experienced ourselves, um, just working with the kids, that story, each one has a story, but each one is heartbreaking. Hmm. Um, but in learning that, it gave us such a, such a fire, such a passion to show the love to them. And, recognizing just how much Jesus loves them and so how much in turn we should show them love as well. Mm -hmm. And so it was awesome seeing how we could bring a smile to their faces, how they enjoyed just playing soccer with each other, how there were friendships that formed in, within like those four days of just playing soccer with each other. It was, it was mm -hmm. something special. That's awesome. Uh, just one more thing here to wrap up, Aaron. Um, 
one day we were working on the Envision Acres farm, uh, and uh, we found a goat on the farm that looked exactly like Rob Cathcart. Uh, so that was great. And Jenna uh, was doing goat yoga, and she fell, and her face landed into a pile of goat poop. Mm. I wanted that to be public knowledge. You're mm. welcome. Okay. Um, did, I was her, really... did her brother put you up to that? Yeah. yeah. Dane wasn't there for that one. Yeah. Another day. So there, were, there was great care for each other. I was really impressed by the team's great care for each other. I was really impressed by the team's servant-heartedness. We worked uh, for hours in the morning doing the physical labor stuff we were doing with the thrift store. Uh, and then uh, in, in, we did our sports camp for a couple of hours in the evenings. Um, and so we, we were busy. We worked very hard, and I was really impressed with the Lord's leading in our team and our students' servant-heartedness. Uh, so I'm grateful for that. We're just trying to do our part in the Great Commission to share the love of Jesus here, there, and everywhere, which was the theme for our sports camp this year. So to all of you who sent us financially with gifts and prayed for us, thank you very, very much for your support. Um, yeah. You're working in the, in the lives of refugees who are hearing the gospel. You're working uh, in the long-term discipleship that's going to happen on the ground there. You're working in the lives of the group of students that we took down and leaders that we took down. Um, so I, there's ripple effects that we're not going to get to see uh, or, or know of, but we have seen some, and for that we're very grateful. And to my leaders, Rob and Jill and Rachel, thank you for your blood, sweat, and tears, and who knows what else on this trip that you poured out to invest in this team. Uh, really grateful for you guys, and awesome. thanks, for, thanks for letting us take some faithful risks for the kingdom, boss. Thank you for uh, stepping up today. Let's give them a little thank you for that. Uh, as our worship team is going to come on up to uh, lead us out of here, but I wanted just to do something with us as, as uh, they come up. Let me just listen to these verses again. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I think to you guys representing a larger team that actually went and did this, you were living out these words in some really special ways. And uh, I'd like to encourage us uh, this way as we conclude. Why don't we stand up together? Um, what you have experienced on the mission field and you now have faces and names and places and things in your mind that as, you, as we say things like it's time to pray for the mission, you can do that very easily. So I would actually like you guys to lead the way in this as we conclude in this beautiful song. Would you guys just come on down here and begin to fill in this space to say, I'm gonna pray for that mission. If you were on the team uh, that went, even if you weren't up on the uh, the stage here today, would you also join this group up here? Real quick, make your way down, da, da, da. unless, for example, you're singing on the worship team. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, but if you're on the team, come on down uh, and join here. Just, we want you to pray uh, with intentionality uh, over that mission field. Now, I want to extend this a little farther. Uh, we all have a mission, right? We have a place where God has called us to be. And it may be in Clarkston, it may be in somewhere else, it may be at Penn State University or whatever. If you have a mission that you need to pray for today, I want to ask you right now, come on up and come around these people. And I suspect that many, many of us could come forward. So I want to invite you to do that. Right now, don't, don't hesitate. Someone's got to be first. And begin to pray as we sing this song over your area of ministry. And if you can't think of any place to pray for, well, then just pray that God will work in the next generation 
generation as he's already doing, okay? So I want to encourage you, don't be bashful. Come on forward, make your way forward. And as the team leads us, let us speak Jesus over these various areas. So team, would you lead us at this time?